0: Devour music like it's oxygen, you know. Listen to it literally every second of the day, like bring it into you with the shower. Go to you know every live show, um, that remotely interests you, uh, which especially in Melbourne is you know literally possible every night of the week. Um, and just inspire yourself to the point where it's just not even a decision, you know, because that's kind of how it felt for me. That just there was just a point where it was like, I'm either going to Scratch this itch or I'm just going to die. (laughs) I'll just drop dead.
1: Hey there, I'm Dan Brophy and this is The Naked Creative, a creativity hack podcast and blog where I talk to everyday creatives about their process in the most practical terms. Right now you're listening to Cousin Tony's brand new Firebird. My guest Lockie Rose is the singer, songwriter and core member of the band which has been fated by Triple J and is currently playing shows all around Melbourne. This Saturday they are playing at Melbourne's Howler Bar and you can find more details on the show page at www.thenakedcreativeshow.com Lockie Rose is someone whom I love to get together with to talk about creative process. He is a master of observing and fostering his artistry, and it's evident in his music, which is rich and varied and textured and wise beyond its
0: years.
1: It was conversations just like this that I would have with him that made me want to start this podcast in the first place because I think to myself, people could benefit from hearing us talk like this about what we're inspired by or consuming and how our workflow has been affected by different influences. It's the first thing that I want to talk about when I get together with most of my friends. So for me to be able to sit down and make it official with Lockie Rose, a truly naked creative in his own right, was an absolute pleasure. So please enjoy my conversation with Lockie Rose from Cousin Tony's Brand New Firebird.
0: Now I'm afraid I'm losing my time and I'm bitter with moment cuz
1: it goes to my Give me a, a a top line idea of all of the creative avenues that you're making time for in your life at the moment
0: for sure that they certainly would all fit just under the umbrella of music a, a, Really, I did a lot of um, acting and musical theatre um, as a teenager and I think a lot of that sort of led to music and uh, that's where I did a lot of I guess more formal kind of training like singing lessons and stuff which set a bit of a foundation for it but um, yeah I'm certainly not acting anymore, I've just thrown it all into, into music. So I guess there's kind of three main streams of it at the moment. The, the first and foremost is my band that I, I write the music for and I sing in, um, called Cousin Tony's Brand New Firebird. We've been playing for maybe two years now. Um, but then through studying music, which I, I'm doing as well, I've, I've really been trying to tackle electronic music and um, wrap my head around, yeah, I guess the more computer generated style of making music, which has been really exciting and, and eye opening and, and really challenging. Um, and then the third one uh, is film scoring. Um, So just, yeah, pure instrumental, mostly just piano-based music for for short films at the moment.
1: Um, So yeah, it's nice to have all the variation. Uh, What I was thinking of on the way to meet you today was about, must have been five years ago or so, you were studying at RMIT and I remember speaking to you at a point at which you were at a crossroads where you were thinking, do I continue with doing this thing that I've been studying and I'm not quite connecting to? Or do I go for the other? Mm. And that was a big question mark Mm. at that stage. What, what were you studying, and what, what were you feeling at that time?
0: I was studying advertising, and um, which it seems almost laughable now, um, but I don't. I don't laugh at it. And I'm, I'm really grateful for it. But in, in some way, I almost see it as like the opposite of music. Advertising, you know, it's like good music is uh, combating the forces of things like advertising. And, um, but I, uh, I loved just the creativity that was required for, for copywriting, and I still really appreciate. Uh, good advertising, as much as I think so much of it is just a really uh, evil force in the world. Um, but yeah, I kind of got sucked into just the process of it, process of it, and then about a year into it just started, I guess, really disagreeing with what it was uh, as a concept, and, and there was something just yeah, at a very core level for me that just didn't sit right with it. I, I felt that I would be good at it, but I didn't think I could wake up every day and feel positive about the ripples that I would be putting out into the world um and uh, yeah at the time and 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 my whole life up until then music had I guess been just this thing on the side or an escape or you know very much a a hobby it was something I was putting hours and hours and hours into um which I still do but uh yeah I just I never I guess I never felt permission to uh yeah, to, to take that on as you know my, my first priority or my career, if, if you want to call it that. Um, so, it, yeah, I think a, a big part of that was also just meeting a few musicians around that time in my life that were, you know, that was their job and, and they would be touring and, and recording and, and just really trying to craft a life around being an artist. And I think just getting to know those people and realise that they were just people and they didn't come from this, you know, Island of creative people that I wasn't born on, or whatever. They they were just regular people, and so I I think that was kind of just like a perfect storm. And and I went right, you know, it's it's possible for for me to do this. It is absolutely my passion, and I could wake up every day and and do this um, and be really, yeah, uh, feel really positive about what I was doing with the time that I have.
1: So it's it's, I don't know if I mentioned. I mean, I think I would have come up with the time, but that's exactly my story as well. I was doing. Doing advertising at RMIT as well Mm. and I got halfway through the first year and sort of just got this weird premonition of myself you know being someone who I didn't want to be Mm. and bailed only a few months into the course even though I sort of got in I don't when you sort of my experience of it was when you come from a Private school background, and you get your prescription as to how your life should look. Generally, they go, Well, you're a creative person, advertising for mm, you. Yeah. you know, if you're not a lawyer or accountant, yeah. you should be in advertising. Yeah. Creative kid. For sure. And then you don't really question it because it's a chance to get you know, a, a serious career and mm. you know, be take, you know, use your creativity for something that mm. is really palpable mm. and has a direct return for your investment. So it makes so much sense for so many people to go down that path. But then I similarly went, Ah, and bailed. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, what was that Thank first God. period like when you how long into the studying did you decide to take the leap, and what was that first chapter after leaving like?
0: Uh, for me, I was in the course for probably a year, um, and like I said, there was a lot of it that I really enjoyed about it um, and, and felt that I was, uh, that I was yeah that I was quite good at a lot of it. Um, but yeah, I think it just took a year to sort of fully understand uh, all the facets of advertising and, and, and just what it really was. Um, so by the time I did make the decision, uh, you know, I'd been stewing on it for about six months and it felt, uh, it felt really right. And, uh, there were certainly no regrets about it. I remember very confidently just telling my parents, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity to go to study this thing, but it's just not me. Um, and, and they were so supportive of that. And so I guess the, the first few months after that, uh, were a sort of mix of being, Well, there was, I guess, a honeymoon period where it was just exhilarating and I could tell my friends and, you know, I'm doing it, like I'm going to uh, just, you know, give music a crack for a few years. Um, And that lasted, yeah, for, I guess, a couple of months. And yeah, it was was just a a sort of natural high that that just seemed to continue until uh, I realized that, you know, the the time that I would normally be spending at, at university was just free now. And it was a case of, oh, okay, if you're going to make this decision, you actually have to fill you know, your your days with musical work and uh, that's not easy uh, in the sense that you know, songwriting isn't, you know, it's just a very abstract art form I think and there's no really conventional ways to just go and learn it um, as opposed to something like advertising or you know, uh, what have you. Um, so that's when I made the decision to go and study. Um, if nothing else, I mean it's given me so many things now but at the time, if nothing else, it was just to ensure that I would be going to a creative space four or five times a week, um, and not just subscribing to this "well, I'm not feeling creative right now" sort of mentality. Um, yeah, it at least ensures that at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, I'm you know sitting in a room with a bunch of other musical people, or sitting at a piano, or doing musical homework, or whatever it is, and. Um, yeah, so I think once the study started, I, that's when it felt really comfortable for me and that's when it sort of dawned on me of, okay, I'm doing this like for at least three years. Um, I'm going to be living a musical life.
1: Yeah. It's important, or it's interesting when your creative practice takes on like a nine-to-five style level of mm. application mm. and I always hear of creatives applying themselves the way someone would if they were mm. turning up to a job at mm. you know, nine uh, or just working some form of eight-hour day. In mm. a sense. When you've been... At the beginning of your leap into the great unknown towards focusing on music as a main occupation, compared to now in terms of being someone who has quite a strong practice in place, how did your day, the average day of you working, look then versus now?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the first maybe year or so of it, um, there was a balance of just starting my own band and um, songwriting had been already occupied quite a natural place in my life for for a long time. So that more or less remained the same in the sense that, you know, I'd pick up a guitar or sit on a piano a few times a week and there might be a good idea, you know, once a week or once a month and I'd just sort of fiddle with that. Um, And so for the first year that remained pretty constant, but it was just a case of uh, allowing for the the study, just A, just being back at university in general, but B... um, entertaining all these other musical sort of ideas and uh, genres and styles and um that that uni was throwing up for me um but i guess yeah it, it like i was saying before it it was creating musical or it was creating more time for me to or i guess more more facets of music for me to indulge in so it wasn't just i'm writing a song or i'm Doing something completely different. I'm, you know, playing Xbox or something. Uh, I'd be writing a song, or I'd be, you know, learning about jazz theory, or uh, fill, uh, scoring a, an animation for another person at the university. Um, so, yeah, I think that studying was certainly the most instrumental thing in uh, giving me parameters and, and and filling filling days with a whole multitude of, of musical uh, kind of practices, as opposed to just
1: writing. Solves the shit of it and when you say for example you've got a, a day to yourself now and you the day before a day that you know you have entirely to yourself mm. where you would really like to focus on on music what's that practice look like Do you what is it, how does it, does it have any um, bearing on the day before work or is it mainly focused on that day
0: I think uh, primarily you know that the, the the, the driving uh, motivation for me to make music is just to write really great songs so whenever I feel uh, you know I, I totally subscribe to the you know I don't know if it's something that's flowing through you or if you're channeling something but I do certainly think there are just times where you do feel really aligned and that something some idea is just coming out uh, very easily and then other days that feels really locked but for me it's just at the start of the day being really aware of which mindset I'm in so if I'm feeling that there is some new idea that's brewing and I feel open to you know letting that out in some way, then I'll just spend a whole day sitting at the piano or um, just sitting with a guitar and getting as much just original musical content out as I can. But if that's not really happening, then I'm fortunate in that there's so many other facets of being a musician that you can work on. Some of them are just really pragmatic things like publicity and um, uh, you know, you might be working on videos or you know emailing people, and, and that's certainly something you can always devote a bit of time to every day in any profession, but you know, music as well. Um, and then uh, another huge part of it, which sound, I guess it's it's almost like a dream perk. It, it feels like some um, horrible excuse or something, but listening to music, is, you know, should obviously occupy so much that time, and really consciously listening to music. Um, which is something that, uh, yeah, going and studying, really taught me how to do in a certain way. Learning how to sort of compartmentalise music and analyse, you know, the, the song structures, and uh, so, yeah. I guess there's there's sort of two forms of listening to music. There is just completely breaking it down and analysing it, picking it apart, working out what elements of it I like and what I don't like, and then it's also just, well, it's of course, more important to just listen to music completely unconsciously and just enjoy it for the sort of energetic force that it is. Um, So I'd say it's a mix of those three things, like either songwriting, the more pragmatic stuff, or just listening and and enjoying music.
1: What have you been listening to and um, gravitating towards recently? I
0: think, like, certainly the trend, I mean, obviously with with the way we listen to music now, it's so hard to hone in on one specific thing, because there's just so much variety and you tend to fly around the place all the time. Um, But it's been really hard for me to escape um, just melbourne music uh and I, th- I think a part of that is that it is just in a particularly strong place at the moment but also just stepping into the melbourne music sort of environment or seeing myself uh just becoming aware of all these great bands so you know i think like uh, king gizzard and lizard wizard are incredibly exciting and, and really diverse and are just really fun band to follow uh, in terms of their uh yeah just the refinement of, of their music um and also Hi- hiatus coyote um for just a completely different reason, like just the sort of wild neo-soul, it, it just doesn't sound like something that would have come out of Australia, uh, but uh, yeah, I just feel really um, proud, I guess, and privileged to, to sort of, you know, just be at local restaurants or see those people at the supermarket, and like I was saying before, it just normalises it, it's like, wow, you are elite, um, sort of world-class musicians, but you're just, you know, here buying asparagus or something. I um, love their Astorians. Yeah, so that's how you just yeah, it. but it just—I guess—it adds more context and more of a connection to, to artists like that, which I, you know, I didn't really have as a teenager. Mm. Um, but then also through studying, it's really reawakened really my mind to classical music and jazz music, and uh, yeah, I think it's so easy to feel like you have this really diverse taste in music when really it's just pop music. It's just sort of current pop music, which is incredible and amazing, and that's the music that I love. But we do forget. Um, that you know all this other music exists if you're just willing to listen to it for more than four minutes or something. Um, so just really trying to wrap my head around the basics. I think like just trying to follow that progression from Mozart to Beethoven to you know Wagner and and into uh, Claude Debussy to uh, Bill Evans. Which just yeah I guess piecing together these the the the, the, the way music has transitioned and been passed on and, and refined and um, yeah that that journey's really kind of summed up the last couple of years for me in terms of listening to music.
1: If, if you were to catch up with a friend and they said what give me a hot tip for something I should go and add to my collection what, is there anything that you would pass on like a nugget of like oh you've got to check this out? For sure I mean I think it, depending on the person my
0: impulses are always to really push people as, as far as they will go in a sense that I like to recommend music that you might not necessarily enjoy immediately, and not that it's like cool or obscure or something, but that just might make you consider that music does other things than just please you for three minutes, you know, so I think certainly um, one, another Australian artist that I've just been bashing on about all year is Kieran J. Callinan because, uh, well he's a Sydney artist, um, uh, incredible guitar Hayden. player. Hayden. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, incredible guitar player, but very sort of theatrical. And it was the first his his album that he put out this year, Embraceism, um, or maybe late last year. It was the first music that I would felt really confronted by, uh, and I feel like that was such a big part of of the way people talk about. You know, music in the '50s and '60s and '70s that these bands would come out and you know, like the Velvet Underground or something, and and people in the audience would be thinking like, you can't say that, you can't do that, that's rude and no, and that was a really exciting new element to to music, uh, and we're so desensitized now that it takes you know some you know, like really dark, graphic, violent sort of grindhouse, deathcore music or something for us to go like, wow, that's full on. But Kieran J Callanan uh, just has this. Yeah, theatrical, almost, yeah, very offensive sort of aesthetic to his music, uh, but there's a, a beauty in it, and I just love that there's, yeah, someone that that is trying to confront you and make you think about what what other uses music might have, or, uh, yeah, as opposed to just, you know, something that's beachy and garagey or whatever, and um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but yeah, he's, he's definitely my hot pick.
1: When you are looking to cast the net wide and you think, okay, my my, resources have, my research resources have run dry, I'm in the mood for something new, where do you look? Where's your first place point of call?
0: I mean I think as um, unexciting as it may sound, I think YouTube you know is, or just the internet in general is this insane luxury for self education that uh, has only existed for you know five, ten years. and I think about that all the time. like if you were a fan of, say, Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, in the early 70s, the only way you could connect with those artists is A, by listening to their music, you know, you physically go buy it or you'd be lucky enough to hear it on the radio that day. And then maybe you'd see, you know, a, an interview with them in a magazine once every six months. But now if I uh, want to search for new music or find out more about an artist or people that they're associated with, it's just as simple as typing their name in and all of a sudden there's, uh, you know, studio tours of how they were recording, uh, every live performance they've ever done, them talking about their influences, and I guess that's actually probably um, the biggest one, because now I can listen to, you know, say an artist that I love, like, uh, I don't know, Justin Vernon from Bon Ivera or whatever, and he, you know, I can listen to an interview where he talks about growing up listening to John Prine, and then I'm like, who the hell's John Prine? I go listen to that, and... Um, yeah, like I was saying before, just keep following that musical progression backwards through time and, mm-hmm. and trying to piece it all together. So the yeah.
1: the, the Tumblr style of research. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, occasionally, you know, I do like to do the more romantic thing and go down to the record store and flick through and and, and chat to the guys. But um, you know, that might yield one new exciting band. But the reality is, you can find twenty in the space of two minutes. And uh, I love, you know, especially I, I do um, just barista work. I make coffee uh, when I'm not. Um, uh, working on music and you know that is essentially just an eight to ten hour period of just standing under a speaker listening to albums so uh, one real, really methodical way that I like to do it is just scour the internet the night before I work load up um, you know five to ten new albums and I can just listen to them in their entirety and if I like them I can listen to them twice three times in a day um, so yeah there's, there's a really high level of consciousness to how I Listen to stuff these days. I'd say.
1: you get to choose the music that's played at the cafe. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah,
0: that's always the um, yeah, the, the, the first sort of thing that I'm shooting for every time I start a new cafe. It's just how do you how ask that during the interview? Yeah, just <laughs> using other people's phones so their battery dies
1: and it's like, oh, I've got mine. I can yeah, put this amazing playlist. I, I will work for you. I do make amazing yeah. coffee, but I have one proviso. Yeah. Um. So in terms of you uh, having a day to yourself. Or half a day, you know, as you like to be um, making work. How do you have any tropes or uh, you know, superstitions about the day in terms of you know how caffeinated you like to be, how well slept? We're talking.
0: About I think that. yeah, certainly when I, when I first started out, I would be really conscious of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, certainly being caffeinated is is one of them, you don't want to be over-caffeinated, especially playing piano and and, and guitar, it's just too dexterous and you get so shaky, but I think now that I've been doing it for a few years, I've realised that I've I've really written uh, ideas that were exciting to me, at least, in every kind of state, you know, I I used to have a a little keyboard at the foot of my bed and some songs were written just first thing in the morning, just literally just sit up and start playing piano. and other times it would be at midnight and you know sometimes it's just been right after breakfast or um so I try not to think about it too much anymore um still really open to it when I'm or really sensitive to when I'm feeling that or not but uh yeah I I, I don't I don't like the idea of trying to create too many uh processes
1: um what are yeah. your thoughts around around blazing like having a joint before working because it's synonymous with with music since mm. the dawn of time mm. but for some creative disciplines, people would square by total mm. sobriety and for others, mm. you know, having some intoxicant would mm. take them in a different direction. For music, do you have any relationship with it?
0: Definitely. I mean, I think that's, firstly, it's, it's incredibly complicated, but it's also incredibly personal in the sense that, some of the best music in the world has been written by people that were completely out of their mind on not just weed but you know acid and what have you but then some of the best music in the world has been written just by the most stone-cold sober um, people in the world like Frank Zapp is an amazing example his music is incredibly psychedelic and just sounds like it's come from the depths of an acid trip but he swears against everything you know I think he smokes cigarettes and drinks coffee but no drinking no drugs and um, so in that sense you know I don't think there is a, a black and white sort of yes it works or, or no it doesn't and I think for me there's, there's just times where it, and where it is really effective and, and times where it's just not the best idea I think when I'm actually just generating the musical ideas themselves from a bass level like the chords melodies that's a very intuitive energetic thing um, and I I like to feel as switched off as possible in a way when that's happening because you don't want to be filtering things or shutting down ideas because you're being intellectual about it and, oh, no, that sounds too much like this or, um, no, that's silly, you know no one's going to like that or that's not your style. I think just being really open and in a state of flow in those moments is really conducive to smoking weed or smoking weed is really conducive to that process. Um, but then there's other times where you know we're just doing something far more complex like I'm trying to explain one of my ideas to the band so I've got four other musicians there and it's much more pragmatic and I'm just trying to explain what's already written then that you know I think you know getting stoned isn't necessarily going to help any of that it's going to do what it normally does and just slow you down and put you in a state that is perhaps too intuitive or energetic when you should really be in an intellectual kind of fast-paced state Um, so yeah I think it 's incredibly personal, and there would be people that would agree with me and then people that would be the complete opposite um, but I think for me that's that 's the kind of line in the sand that i 've drawn it's definitely, uh, yeah, it 's definitely yeah definitely eases me into a state of flow when i 'm trying to write ideas, but almost every other time i 'm not sure if it 's uh, all that helpful
1: <laughs> now and what do you think about um exercise life in relation to creative work I mean, you, you have a body that's not dissimilar to a a Grecian demigod <laughs> there's some, something that would have raped Daphne maybe but you know I, you... you're probably looking more fit now than ever before hmm. has your aptitude for fitness hmm. reflected on your creative process at all?
0: Definitely and I think that's a, a really dangerous um, or it is a really dangerous sort of uh, perception of being a, a being a musician or an artist, that you have to be, you know, treating your body really poorly and be starving and um, you know be on drugs and smoking all the time and uh, not that I don't like doing some of those things, but um, uh, yeah, I think that just really led me uh, into a negative space, went because I did sort of entertain that mindset when I was first starting out for a couple of years and you know had all these heroes musically that you know generally did sort of tick those boxes and weren't so the most like self-respecting human beings but after a while i realized i could still write music and put myself in a really connected place and still be really he- healthy and um so yeah i do i love running and um if yes especially if we're going to play a show that night i will always go on a run in the morning um again like barista work it's an amazing chance to just listen to an album in its entirety um Or the complete opposite, just to, you know, completely just be in my body um, and not thinking about much else because so much of my day is then otherwise spent in my head thinking about, thinking about music. Um, So, yeah, I think it's um, absolutely uh, possible and and really necessary to, you know, to to challenge that view that, yeah, musicians or artists should inherently be unhealthy people. Um, Yeah, I think that's hopefully a pretty tiring idea.
1: Do you relate to writer's block? Is there a musical equivalent of that? Do you face it, and if so, how do you overcome it?
0: Yeah, I I mean that's that's another thing that's really shifted over the past few years. I I think uh, when I first started writing songs, and especially when I first started writing songs that were exciting to me or that you know sounded like real music, finally, um, it would make me incredibly anxious when that stopped or when you know. One afternoon, I'd been in this amazing state of just generating so, so many ideas and then returned to that the next day, and it, it was just like it had, like clay. It had just hardened and seized up, and it wasn't malleable anymore. And, uh, yeah, that used to be incredibly stifling and scary, and those were the moments where I'd think, oh God, maybe I'm not meant to be doing this. I'm not just shitting out ideas on a daily basis. Um, but I, yeah, I think the more I've matured in, yeah well, as a songwriter, not, not that I've been doing it awfully long but uh it's just being aware of uh, the fact that like anything it's it's always just going to have ups and downs you know like happiness itself you know it's there's just going to be times where for whatever reason it is things are just aligned and then other times where um for whatever reason psychologically or spiritually or whatever you want to call it things are just not uh yeah the dots are not connecting um and like I was saying before, I think that's just the moment where you have to go, right, that's fine. This will probably last for a day or a week or, you know, maybe even a month. But I still have so many other things I can do. Um, mostly just inhale music in that point. You know what I mean? If I, if I'm struggling to exhale fresh ideas, then that's just a great time to scour the world for, for new music that's gonna, you know, push the way I think about it. And then when I do go back into a state of creative flow or whatever you want to call it i'm armed with all of this new stuff that i've been listening to and all these new ideas um so i don't fear it anymore um i certainly don't want to sit in it for too long it does get to a point where it's like okay what what can i maybe do now to to help myself get back into that state um but yeah generally i think it's it just sort of has a mind of its own that process and uh, i'm really i feel really aware of it now um and it, yeah, I think just the most important thing is being able to make use of the time um, that you have when, when you aren't in that state and, and be pragmatic and you know, push your music out there and all of that. I've, I've heard that process
1: being referred to as filling the well, mm. and I imagine that as well as filling it with music, you know, there would be other things that would trigger moments of inspiration. Mm. Is there anything else that you actively seek out to f- to fill the well when you're looking to gather yeah, d- ideas?
0: I think if I have enough time, you know, and this is just a general life point, um, but certainly with music, just traveling—whether that's just you know going 40 minutes out of the city for a day, or whether it's you know flying to see my family in Brisbane or uh, going overseas—just physically changing your environment, um, you know, that sort of changes everything for that period of time. It changes the, the way you. Go about your day. It changes the time that you wake up, and it, you know, most importantly, just changes the, the aesthetic world around you. And uh, that's always just going to either make you think differently about your own life, or just think differently altogether about new things and new ideas. And um, so, yeah, if it, I, I think it's you know, important to have something, uh, some excuse to shake up your physical environment on the horizon at all times. Yeah, whether that's a night at the beach this weekend or you know, going on a camping trip in a few weeks, um, just having something that you know is going to shift your space, um, that would be the biggest one for me,
1: definitely. Your, um, your ideas around process are so formed, like you've really spent a lot of time, sounds like it, wondering about the creative process mm. more than, you know, a lot of people I speak to. Did someone teach you how to be an artist or how to think artistically? Or were there key influences that you have you can attribute or oh, that... that way of being comes from that person in my life? Mm. Um,
0: yeah, of course. I mean, the the overall feeling of it is that it is just a million different little, not necessarily people, but just things that, that I've done, experiences that I've had that have you know, peppered my life in such a way that now I'm a, I'm a musician or, or an artist. Um, but certainly my, my parents, and, and that, that's just an obvious one, but my, my dad uh, is an incredibly creative guy, but you know, just came from an equally as incredibly... Um, serious family and uh, he used to you know write so much poetry and screenplays and and, and it's just got a, a, a box of them that I used to just devour but he uh, you know had to make the decision to, to go on and, and pursue being a lawyer and so I think even just sort of vicariously uh, but in a completely beautiful way he always even though he didn't have much of a language around art or um, yeah just much of a language around art that he he had a Profoundly, or has a profoundly um, deep connection with it. And he would always, I guess, be very conscious of my musical education to a point where every Sunday afternoon he'd buy a new record and just classics, you know, just making sure that I would, yeah, be able to refer to these uh, classic albums and sort of have a, a really well-rounded education of it. So it was just things like Dark Side of the Moon or Transformer by Lou Reed. But I really felt, you know, by the time I finished high school that because of that influence and that really direct exchange of, of knowledge and uh, that yeah I felt really well versed in at least the classic you know music of the last 50 years um, but beyond that I think it yeah it's, it's kind of foolish for me to just attribute it to, to one thing uh, there are just a, a million little decisions that have been yeah, made along the course of my life that led me to the point of yeah, just wanting to be an artist. I think that came before wanting to be a musician. That was just a completely intuitive uh, feeling that I had, uh, especially just coming out of school and being in my 20s for the first couple of years. um, It just blew my mind that there were people that were artists when I really thought about it. You know, we were just fronting up to all of these industries and courses. And then there were just this like group of people that sort of could step outside of that and observe it and reflect it back to those people and tell them that they were in this you know, Matrix or or whatever it is you want to call it. Um, Not that I want to get too spacey with it. Um, That just blew my mind and I think when I decided I loved that idea enough, it just so happened that I had all these musical skills and so that was going to be my sort of vehicle for it, Um,
1: yeah. But do you think, yeah, actually that's an interesting idea. Do you think it could have gone in a number of different ways once you took the leap into the great unknown from advertising it would end up being music, but is there a chance it could have gone in a visual path? Of- yeah,
0: certainly. I think by the time I finished advertising i I was uh, my life was so musical that it was a no brainer at that point that uh, music was yeah music was going to be it, but certainly, yeah, going up through high school, I really wanted to be an actor, I really wanted to do musical theater, um, even dancing for a while I was really into. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess it was just a, that sort of accumulation of all of those, uh, I guess, performative um, kind of hobbies that I had just left me with a real sense of, I don't know quite what it is yet, but all of these skills are the ones that have excited me more than you know, any class at school or playing any sport. Um, and it's, it's going to be something in that vein. Um, and it just, yeah, I guess it took me a few years after school to, to work out that, that music was going to be it. And I, I think the central point to that was that it's creating content. As much as I loved acting in musical theater you 're kind of the vehicle for someone else 's work. you know what i mean you're you 're interpreting something that 's already been written, which there 's amazing you know, skill and, and beauty and undermining it. but I loved the idea of songwriting and just generating the content itself like if I didn 't wake up and do my job today, no one else could do it, like literally no one else could do it. Uh, There are obviously people that could write more amazing songs, but no one could write the song that I was going to write that day. And I think, yeah, so the the writing was the central element to that. So if it was going to be something else, it might have been, yeah, like writing a book or, um, yeah, writing a play or something like that. Um, For me, it was incredibly important, the most important thing to actually generate and conceive ideas.
1: Do Do you still make time for any of the other disciplines that you enjoyed once upon a time? Not so much anymore. I think I, as much as
0: I would love to do things, you know, like uh, be in a play again or especially seeing in a musical again, that's something that I would really love to do at some stage. Uh, this chunk of my life, I think, was very consciously about just being really one dimensional and, and learning as much about music as I could and trying to get out as much of my own music as I could in that time. Just so if nothing else, I could look back and say at least, you know, for three or five years, I really just gave it a shot and I wasn't trying to spread myself across all of these things like I, I can safely say that I explored my musical self um so I'm kind of really happy about that I, I do envy you know friends of mine that perhaps aren't as tied down to one thing and you know they might get into rock climbing and then pottery and you know just have all these various uh sort of things that they're interested in but yeah in, in that sense I'm I'm very confident that uh yeah, there's, there's just so much within the musical umbrella that it, it all sort of feels different to me. But ultimately, it
1: is just music. <laughs> I love the idea of that version of yourself from five years ago or how many years ago it was at, RMI, at uni, at RMIT, mm. in advertising, look, thinking about taking the leap and how there were so many potential dangers mm. in the, in the worst-case scenario that would have kept you in that space for six mm. months, mm. debating it. Cut to now, where you, where there's no question as to what you whether you made the right choice or not, and the prospect of going back to that would be absurd. Probably it would be completely
0: absurd. Um, but it's not to say that it doesn't uh, play on my mind. I mean, I think music is you know it, the, the most dangerous industry you could really enter from like a, a job security point of view. It, it even feels ridiculous to say job security about you know working in the music industry. It's just it's not an industry in in that sense. Um, so. Of course, you know, like I'm completely in, in love with my girlfriend, and you know, I want to have a family at some stage, and we want to buy a house. And I'm still at a point where I've spent infinitely more amounts of money than I have made from it. Um, and getting that sense of, you know, the way music is actually exchanged nowadays, and and seeing the actual figures very slowly go up, on, you know, in my bank account, um, that is completely terrifying still. And so, in that sense, you know not that it would be advertising, but I do still, yeah, entertain ideas of, okay, what am I actually going to do to make money? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, yeah, what's the expression, like money isn't everything, but I'd like to see you live without it or something. um, So yeah, in that sense, it's it's not a a no-brainer, but Mm -hmm. spiritually and emotionally, and I don't think I've had a really genuinely sad day since I made that decision. Bad things have happened and they've affected me for a certain period of time, but at a very core level, since I made that decision to explore what it means to be an artist, um, yeah, I I can safely say I've I've never really had a sad sad day. So in that sense, it's a total
1: no-brainer. Interestingly, I've gone back to advertising after having defected myself, Mm. but in a way that's on my terms, Mm. where I'm working with people that I really admire and I'm doing work that I enjoy for half a week mm. so I can have half a week to do things that really matter mm. to me. And it was so interesting to go back and choose to go back mm. with, I, I actively pursue it because I, similarly like when I was in Los Angeles as a 20 year old, I was think to myself, I don't think I could live here because I'll end up becoming a prostitute. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like, I'll be who Dionne Warwick refers to as parking cars and pumping gas. Like that will be, that I will be a lost boy of Los Angeles. And then, and then I, I went back at, at 27 and I thought, you know what, I could live here because mm. I know who I am mm. and I'm not going to be prostituted by this place. Mm. I, you know, now when strangers pull up alongside me on the side of the road <laughs> and ask me if i like to party, I'll say, no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I ultimately was okay to be there because I didn't have to worry about being da- damaged by the space. Sure. And I think advertising is really similar where Definitely. being an 18, 19-year-old going into that world is so inf- like um, formative mm. that... I'm glad I know who I am and what I stand for, and I can go back and work in that space on my terms.
0: Definitely, and yeah, that, that's where having that self awareness that I guess has largely come from, you know, for yourself pursuing your own art form and getting that uh, awareness, you, you can return to any industry really and still do amazing, positive things in it, advertising especially. Yeah,
1: it's a platform at mm. the end of the day. Mm. Um, I'm all about. I really love uh, setting goals for myself, and also asking people, you know, what are you working towards? What are you mm. thinking about? Mm. Where do you, where do you see it being in, mm. in a year's time? Or do you, are you holding on to any um, totems of success that you are really delighted about the idea of achieving?
0: Definitely. I mean, it's, as cliche as it sa- sounds, there is there really genuinely isn't any sort of notion around fame or notoriety. Like that that has never. I think since I really started exploring my own music and songwriting and, and the the feeling I got from that yeah it just completely eliminated any sort of shallow notions of rock stardom and also getting that sense of where the industry really is that that has more or less for the better been crushed out of me um but certainly places to perform in and just bodies of work that I want to put out those, those two feel like like the real sort of milestones. so once I can physically sort of hold you know an lp a a piece of vinyl that's got you know 10 songs and whatever which hopefully will happen you know in the next year to 18 months i think that'll just be as much as i want to keep doing it that'll just be a big point where i can just you know crack a beer and go that feels like a sort of big uh yeah sort of shimmering thing on the horizon um but then yeah there's just so many venues around Melbourne, that I think, uh, yeah, I just won't rest until I've sung some songs, and then like the forum being one of them, I've just had my mind so consistently blown um, from a sound point. Just that the whole feel of that place is just so classic and out of this world, um, and the Palais as well in St Kilda where we saw Feist actually, um, and, Grizzly Bear. And, yeah, and Grizzly Bear, yeah, uh, some amazing shows there. I, th- I think also just going and being seated for a show mm-hmm. like that, that's that's quite rare these days, you know, for for I guess contemporary. Pop acts or whatever. Um, I'd much rather be serious. Definitely, yeah. For, for certain shows, um, certainly for the shows we've seen there, um, uh, absolutely. It's so so nice and so different to to sit and watch something like that because you actually feel the you know the energy that you're absorbing into your body, not not in a um, Know, sort of freaky, styly way, but just the actual emotion that you're experiencing, you can't physically dance out there, so you, you're actually just so full of it, and you can't do anything with it, which in a funny way is actually quite an amazing feeling. I'm always so
1: full of it. I um, wouldn't much rather be seated because I really feel, you know, traditionally artists would be frustrated, and I mean, you can maybe confirm or deny this, but I imagine artists are very frustrated with lack of audience response because I really want to see their effect on the people in Mm. front of them and whenever I'm seeing a band I'm completely still. It's Mm. like when I'm really enjoying a joke I don't Mm. laugh because Mm. I'm devouring it mentally Mm. and I think similarly with music so I would be an awful audience member (laughs) but I think if I was in a band I would appreciate a still audience. Definitely.
0: Definitely. I mean I think it kind of depends like if you're playing you know, in a crowded pub, and it's completely silent. That's probably an indication that you've done something wrong. But if you if you do have the good fortune to be playing in this amazing theatre, and you do have a silent audience, um, you yeah, you can you feel the the respect sort of radiating off the crowd, and you can hear them listening almost. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a, a beautiful place to be uh, playing music.
1: And just lastly, what is if you were speaking to someone who if you were speaking to you basically five years ago in that situation in life where there was a crossroads mm. moment of I'm not quite happy doing what I want to do but I feel like maybe I'd like to take the leap could you give any sense of uh, action, as achievable actions to get the ball rolling on that pursuit for you five years ago I think there's, 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 there's so many
0: sort of smaller things within that that could be really instrumental or, or certainly were for me but I, I think that the really fundamental central kind of driving force behind it was just inspiration. I felt when I got that sort of bug or that desire there was this process of almost just tricking myself into it. Like I'm literally going to inspire myself through music to the point that there's just no other option. So um, at that point I would want anyone to, you know, if if there is some artistic pursuit that maybe they're they're interested in indulging in for you know even just a couple of years, Make it the only option for yourself. In a sense, just devour you know in, whether it's music or you know or in this case yeah, I'll, I'll say music, but devour music like it's oxygen. You know, listen to it literally every second of the day. Like bring it into you with the shower. Go to you know every live show um, that remotely interests you, uh, which especially in Melbourne is you know literally possible every night of the week. Um, and just inspire yourself to the point where it's just not even a decision because you know, that's kind of how it felt for me that just there was just a point where it was like I'm either going to scratch this itch or I'm just going to die <laughs> I'll just drop dead um so yeah yeah that would be the the main thing Lucky, thank you so much. Thank for you, it's a nice Very,
1: day. very informative chat. I feel like I was a bit spoiled in terms of not having to really get anything out of you guys. <laughs> <So laughs> you, you and I must have been reading the same book. We can try this again if you want. <laughs> I, can, I can do the asshole take. <laughs> totally. Well, look, happy scratching, and um, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Knocking down your door, I heard before you saw. Queen has come collecting you. Hide your hearts, hide your hearts Count the cards you want.
1: Talking with Lockie, I was so inspired hard. by his dedication to his craft as a daily process that can be tapped into in an otherwise hectic work-uni-life schedule where even what's playing in the background of his shift at a cafe is a chance to learn from listening to new music he is a great champion of filling the well, and the school of thought where he gathers as much inspiration from as many mediums as possible and it makes its way into his music. Yet like so many of my guests, Lockie was walking the road more commonly travelled, enrolled in a university degree that he felt no connection to, until he took the leap to study music full time. This seems to have been a common theme for my last few guests. And it's a great reminder for all those who are at the very beginning of their creative journey that no one is born a creative. It's a muscle, a practice, a discipline. It's like lifting weights or doing taxes. It can be learnt and it can be cultivated. I thought it only appropriate to go out on one of Cousin Tony's tracks. But if you'd like to hear more from Cousin Tony's brand new Firebird, there are links on the show page at www.thenakedcreativeshow.com. If you were inspired by anything you heard on the show, the greatest compliment you can give is to share it with someone who might be able to use it. And don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. I'm Dan Brophy and I will see you next time on The Naked Creative Show. I
0: bet you read the story.